should be looking for a better place to live. But I can't seem to get excited about this world and all it has to give. Oh, I couldn't care less if I could buy it all. With a solitary dime For what good would this world do me With the rapture on my mind Oh, lately all I've got is leaving on my mind all I'm thinking about most of the time how that soon and very soon I'll leave this troubled world behind lately I've got leaving leaving Let's all stand. Change over service here, the word this evening. Glory. Appreciate that, brother. That's from the heart right there, brother. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Bless you. Love you. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing, holy, 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 high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as I sing, holy, 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 I want to see.
morning. Turn around and shake somebody's hand and say, God bless you. I wanted to see you tonight. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Boy, that's a revelation. That's not just something to say. That's a revelation from the Lord. Well, man, it was a wonderful time this past weekend. I thank every one of you for taking the opportunity to go and be supportive and and man they're still they're still basking over it up there also they're they're having a revival, so we sure appreciate that brother andre's um, we um, messaged back and forth Monday, and the whole meeting was just a supernatural time a uh, long time coming and um a lot of new friendship, but a lot of old friendship was was rekindled, and we sure do appreciate all of you going and helping out the ones that helped um, with the food. They pretty much had it all pretty much covered, so uh, I, I was just surprised that there was um, uh, over 90 people there Saturday night at the, at the um, uh, youth service, and Brother Joel Brown did a wonderful job. If you hadn't seen them, I think Brother Joe's got them on, on our Facebook page. And we sure do appreciate those people. We've, we've known them for a long time and hadn't been in that church since I was like 18 years old. So it was, uh, it was a uh, supernatural time. We had a good time. Thank Brother Bob for coming back and taking over here and uh, doing the job here for us while we were gone. We sure appreciate that. We appreciate him taking away from the time that we had up there and, and come on back home and, and preach for you guys on Sunday. Um, it'll be on audio, and I haven't got it yet, but I'm sure it was good. So we sure do appreciate him doing that and his family, <clears throat> um, doing that and making a sacrifice. A lot of you sacrificed a lot of things, and I sure do appreciate that. <clears throat> so if you got your Bibles, of course, we can turn to John 1.1. 1, 1. But next Sunday, or this coming Sunday, I'll be at Brother Pageant's church. He's bought a baptistry, kind of like ours, and he can't get the water right, and he's got a test kit, and he's just really, he's struggling. So I'm going to go preach for him Sunday and help him with his, with his baptistry, get his chemicals right, because they're going to, they want to baptize one or two people, and they want to get it right. They want to get the green stuff out of the pool before they start baptizing. So we're going to go over there and help him. Um, and preach for him in his new church. He, they got a new place, smaller. They had to get out of the other one because it was sold. But uh, we're going to, uh, Lord willing, that's where we're going to be this coming weekend. So, Brother Luis will be preaching Sunday morning. Uh, Brother Bob will still be doing Sunday school. Brother Luis will be doing Sunday morning service. And Brother Aaron will be doing Sunday afternoon. So just keep them in your prayers. We will be at Brother Pageant's this coming Sunday. So just keep that in your thoughts and prayers. Don't have anything much left for the for the week for the time coming up. We're not gonna have the uh we're not gonna have the uh song service in uh July. July's been pretty full. But also uh we wanted Brother Robbie to be here and his daughter is doing a horse thingy that weekend so we're gonna cancel that or postpone it for right now on the twenty ninth of July. But now coming up on August, we will have uh, the camp meeting. It will be the first week, which will be August 1st through the 5th. Uh, Sister June and I are going Thursday, 
and going to be there Thursday and Friday if anybody else would like to come. Um, I think the only rooms they got left is Quality Inn or Comfort Inn, wherever that is uh, next to the fish house. That's what we had to get because all the other rooms are full. So that means there's going to be a pretty big crowd there. Brother Keith Reed will be coming back with us, and he will be preaching for us on the 6th of August, that Sunday. Then the next weekend, Brother Jason Jackson will be here, and we'll have a Saturday night, Sunday morning service. All right, everybody with me? Saturday night, 6 o'clock, Sunday morning, regular service. Brother Jason Jackson, Brother Dutch Scott, wanted to have ask if we would have service so he could attend. So we'll have a Saturday service. His, some of his people are coming that Saturday. So that'll be at 6 o'clock. Um, and then in September, Brother Andrew, Andrew Glover will have our third Saturday, which will be the last one we'll have for this year. Third Saturday in September, Brother Andrew Glover will be here for our youth service on Saturday and be with us on Sunday. So just pray for him. He'll be doing part of the uh, camp meeting, him and Brother Ron Spencer, so just keep him in prayer. <clears throat> I think that's about all the announcements. Um, Brother Aaron, you're preaching Sunday afternoon. Um, and Louisa be, Brother Louisa be Sunday morning. So um, all the other details about song leading and all that, you can see Brother Joe about that. All right, so let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, we had a good time this past weekend preaching at Brother um, Woodby's old church with Brother Andre Head. And uh, we brought a little thought. We're going to kind of weave it in a little bit tonight. And uh, we're going to keep the same title, Son of Man, Part 120. But we're going to talk a little bit about the anointing. There's an anointing. Uh, if you haven't caught it yet, sometimes we, we go through things and, and we get almost to the end of the series like we are now. And then the Lord will just say, hey, that's an, did you tell him that was an anointing? So, because it is an anointing. All these, all these are anointings. They are the faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. But now remember, your birth is not an anointing. Your new birth is not an anointing. All right? Everybody with me? But all the other things that pile on top of that, that's an anointing that comes on us. And if we're not careful, we'll get that anointing on our spirit and not let it go into our soul. That's what we're working on with the statue of perfect man. All right? So we'll get into that a little bit this afternoon so let's bow our heads lord thank you for this middle of the week lord many are tired and weary and we pray lord that you give them supernatural strength father i pray that you be with us lord in the furtherment of this service you be the active participant the one that takes over and does the speaking father lord i pray that you be with the ones that are sick lord sister frida had went yesterday for those tests lord and she was coughing up some blood lord and we hadn't heard anything else but lord we we know you're the great physician, and you're the one that will take care of her, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you'll take care of the ones, Lord, that are gone on vacation and different things, and especially the ones that are heading to school. School is starting here in just a few weeks, a few days. For some, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. And, Lord, cover them the whole time, Lord, that they're, that they're there, Lord. And may they, may they truly learn. They have to learn their book knowledge and their knowledge of of how to navigate in this world but lord may it be smoothed over with some spiritual knowledge and may that spiritual knowledge take over lord and when the natural knowledge leaves let the spiritual knowledge take over lord and i pray that you do that tonight father anoint the speaker anoint the hearer father bless us and be with us 
The furthermore, this service, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Also remember the uh, missionaries will be coming in, camp meeting missionaries will be coming. So they'll be coming from all over the world. And probably in September, I mean August, that's why I kind of left it open. Last three weekends in, in August, I'm sure we'll have a, um, a foreign visitor somewhere in that time. So we appreciate them coming in. And uh, also, uh, just for FYI, in October, Brother Vernon Manahan is going to be here from the Philippines. He's the one that we send the money to. So he comes. I don't think he came last year, but he came the year before. Or maybe because of COVID, they didn't get to come for a couple of years. He always tries to send us a an update on the money. I mean, he takes care of every penny. Every penny we send him, he puts it somewhere. And he writes it down. He's a good accountant. And he writes it all down, and and then he will give you a uh, a report that that money you send that we send from the church, we give some to the brother Danny, some to brother Nestor, and different ones, and it pays for their plane tickets, or pays for the pays for their boat ticket, or pays for something to take them out into the highways and byways. Um, brother Dale, many years ago, used to send money for buildings and churches and. Stuff like that. We don't do that anymore. It's best to give it to a person and let a person take it and go and preach the gospel. They let them build their own stuff, uh, their own building. They, they'll love it more if they build their own. I know we do help some, and we have helped some, some of the newer ones, but some of the older ones that we help now, it's mainly for ministry to go out in books and tapes or, or, or take a, take the gospel to uh, uh, back in somewhere in the Philippines that something nobody would want. I wouldn't want to go. And they will go. All right. Is that like Brother Land Land, different ones. We give him some money to to buy a van and he is using it. He sent me a picture the other day. He used it so much he run the wheel off of it or run the tire off of the wheel, so uh he had to buy him a new a new tire, but uh we did help him buy the van. So let's let's just uh we love the Lord. I want you to know where your money's going. I really do. I want you to know that it's not just you're not just putting it in a plate and it's just going out into thin air. It is being used for the gospel. Always has and always will be. All right. <clears throat> so don't don't feel um, that your money's being, you know, wasted. It's being used all around the world. You'll never know. You will know in the millennium. You will know maybe in the future home how much as as Brother Andre and different ones go overseas and some lady says, I got a. I, uh, I some of you that weren't there, Brother Andre was telling a story that he was at. Where was he? Where was he? Guyana. Guyana. He's in Guyana on a mission trip. And some sister walked up to him and said, do you know this brother? In other words, so it's Brother Dale. Huh? She had one tape. She had got a hold of a tape, and it was Brother Dale. And it helped her so much. So you never know. You know, yeah, we may we may not be always preaching to the, to the crowd. We may be preaching to the ones overseas. So you never know. But we appreciate Brother Joe and the different ones for putting this thing out and getting it out to the people. We sure appreciate all of you that has anything to do with that. So let's read. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You can sit down. I know I maybe have you stand up too long, but it keeps you from sleeping. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. See, we've come here to brotherly kindness, and I was thinking just the other day how that 
Brotherly kindness can be the most calming thing you ever uh, that you ever experience, or it can be the most traumatic thing you've ever experienced. Everybody with me on that? It can be you. You can uh, rub elbows and 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 be all right, or rub elbows and, as Brother Dick always said, uh, "My spirit may irritate your demons." So, Philippians two verse three says, "Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other." better than themselves and i think that's what we should do as a church and we do that um and i'll read something where brother brown tell he said it's not in other words it's not hard to have brotherly kindness as an individual but as a group it's hard to hold i'm gonna read you and i'll tell you why why we said that because as an individual you can have somebody who just like brother andre we were talking about and we gave him those accolades this weekend. Brother Andre is one of the meekest men that I know. He just never raises his voice. He got a little excited Sunday afternoon after the service was over. But he's really just even keeled. Nothing really, you know, upsets him. And he's, he's just even keeled with the people. And, and they're comfortable with him. And I'm comfortable with him. And, and I just appreciate a, a brother that can do that. He can stand in the middle and grab both hands and put them together. Where some of us, some of us may not be able to do that. All right? But we're working on it. He's still working on me. First Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now, we're going to get up to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about it maybe a little bit at the end of the service. But I want to cover something here in just a second. First Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God. So we had the spirit of the world, right? All right. Uh, we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh and all the pride of life and all those different things that Paul Paul tells us about. All right. <clears throat> I saw something the other day. It was a statement that said, I wonder what Paul thought when he stepped over on the other side and saw the ones that he had persecuted and killed there. Had killed. He didn't kill them. He had them killed. Right? Because they were Christians. He was having Christians persecuted and they were being killed. And now they're in the sixth dimension, wherever Paul's group is. And then Paul walks over there and after he dies and they're like, oh, hi. No, that was a joyous meeting because those people, you know what? I believe they really, truly didn't blame Paul. As a true Christian, you don't blame another person. I had a person tell me one time, said, you've caused me to lose all my friends. You never had them to start with. An outside person cannot cause you to lose friends. You only cause you to lose friends. All right? All right? It's not what somebody else does to lose a real friend or a real brother. Like I said before, it's, you know, you, and I'll read it where Brother Ram talks about. In individuals, it's not, it can be held, but in a group is the whole issue. That we have to, as a group, as a body, we've got to all come to brotherly kindness. All right? If we can't love them here, we sure not how are we going to get them over there? Right. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So when we get the spirit, this spirit of adoption or spirit of, of truth or spirit of the new birth, then it puts us in line to understand these things, as I was telling them Sunday, now you can you can you can read the quote where Brother Brown says, "You know, God give you the Holy Ghost, and He give you everything for your journey." Well, that's true, but He also gave you ten fingers, ten toes. Sorry, Thomas, ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes. He gave you all that equipment. Now, what you do with it is your business. All right, 
<clears throat> so he gave you the Holy Ghost. Now what you do with it, with it is your business. All right? <clears throat> which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Now that, now your Holy Ghost is a teacher. We know that. Tutors, governors, till we come to what? But see, it, that's talking about coming to adoption. That's bringing us to full stature, which is that thing right there. See, this down here is a birth. Everybody with me? This is a birth. This is an anointing. You don't get born twice. But it says being born again, but you understand it's not like the justification, sanctification, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. You weren't born again. I mean, you weren't eternal. Now you are. You can't get eternal again. <laughs> You're already eternal. You just add two. So that's what we're talking about tonight. We're going to add to this. As we go up the statue of perfect man, we're going to add to these things, but it's which the Holy Spirit teaches. Look, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We are spiritual people. Brother Brown told us, he said, we're eaglets, we're little messiahs. We are spiritual people. We're supposed to be. I know we live in the natural lot, but we're supposed to be to where we can discern or have a little bit of spirituality about us, especially when it comes to the Word of God. And if somebody's teaching or preaching something in error, it should be something that, that a, little, a, little, you know, a little bell should go off somewhere. All right? Everybody with me? So Second Peter, besides this, so besides your new birth, besides getting that down into your soul, everybody with me here, and besides this, besides this divine nature going into your soul, giving all diligence, add. So you're adding or you're anointing because you can have many thousands of anointings. Remember last Sunday, the devil was anointed. He was an anointed cherub. He was the first anointed one, Right? He was anointed to do his job. All right? And then till iniquity was found in him. And when iniquity was found in him, then he became the devil. But he was Lucifer when he began. All right? And God created him. He said, I created you perfect until iniquity was found in you. <clears throat> but we as Christians, we add, we add these anointings because... Paul had an anointing. He was the first church age messenger. He had an anointing. Brother Brown, as many times I told you before, they had a box that they were, that they they stayed in. They were confined to that box. Moses couldn't get into Noah's message. Noah couldn't get into Moses' message. All right? Paul couldn't get into Irenaeus' message, and Irenaeus couldn't get into Martin's message. So you understand what I mean. They had a certain message they had to bring or a certain anointing. All right? That's what we preached on Sunday, anointed for a purpose. All right, there's an anointing comes that's a purpose. It has a, God doesn't just, listen, he even anoints anointed ones for a purpose. To almost deceive the very elect. That's because that's what the Bible says. All right. So to knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, we're going to add these virtues or add these anointings. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But we were talking about this weekend. I want to show you something real quick. I know, y'all, we've been through Genesis 126. But remember, it says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So that's not an anointing. That's a person. That's an extension of God. Everybody with me? That wasn't all mankind. That's just the bride. That's not the 144,000. That's not the fifth seal Jew. That's not anybody in the Old Testament. Everybody with me? That was an extension of God. That's God's attribute. 
his own children. His own children are only the ones that's going to be birthed by a new birth into the kingdom of God. All right, everybody with me? But there are anointings. You can be anointed. Uh, Brother Brown even says Eve was anointed. But who anointed her? God didn't anoint her. The devil did. All right? Cain was anointed to kill Abel. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. We see that there's something about this group of people that's special. God set aside this group of people and he wanted this image. See, he said, created man in his own image. In image God created him, male and female. So we know there are male and female. Created he them that made the brothers and sisters. That's why we're, we call each other brother and sister because that, like I said, that denotes the family. All right, I have a natural brother and a natural sister. I don't have to call them brother or sister, but I do you because you're not part of my natural family. You're part of my spiritual family. All right, if I get too fast, just tell me because I got something I need to get to real quick. So God created man in his own image. The image of God created him. Now, look, whatever that image is, it's of God. That image was not the devil. That image was not an angel. That image is you, every son and daughter of God since the day of Pentecost, A.D. 30, was created in God's image or formed in God's image. Now, remember, this part of God was not created like Lucifer was. Lucifer was literally created. He was nothing. Then here's Lucifer. God created Lucifer and said, you be the anointed cherub. You be the one that goes up and down and, and, and you be my song leader. And you go from heaven. He still goes from heaven to hell and back and forth and up to heaven. Amen. He walks among all that. God's given him that liberty to walk anywhere he wants to. But when you're born again, he cannot walk in your soul. Praise God. There's, that's, why, that's what I want you to see. It's like I was saying, you, God is so encapsulated inside of you, he can't even get out. You've got to let him out. Somebody ought to let it out. Oh, somebody ought to put that on a T-shirt. So God created man in his own image. And the image of God created him, male and female, created them. So that's the birth, not the anointing. Or not the adoption. Some of this group of people right here will not come to adoption. Lots of them will not. A lot of these people that God created in his own image were working as we were talking about Sunday. You look in the book of Luke and you see that, that there was a book handed Jesus and it was closed. Jesus sat down and opened the book. So Jesus Christ is the only one that can open the book and close the book. All right? So he was handed a closed book. He read, opened it up, read out of it, identified who he was. Have you ever tried that? When you come to church every Sunday, you should open your book and identify who you are. And then you can say, as we said Sunday, and as Brother Random said during his tenure and Jesus during his, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. This day. All right? And it's not a 24-hour day. It's the day of the Lord. It's today for us to come to adoption. It's today for us to come to the change of the body. It's for us to come to the Son of Man ministry that when God, when Jesus was sitting there, who was he? He was the Son of Man. So he, when he closed that book and handed it back to the priest, they just didn't realize in simple form, but that's when God shut the book 
No one understood him. No one was born again at the time. And then even on the day of Pentecost, he only let a certain piece or portion of himself out. The book was still closed. It's been closed until Revelation 10-7 when that mighty angel came down. That mighty angel brought a scroll. You want to, if you want to say it's the same scroll we had in the temple, that's okay with me. I don't care. But he opened the book. And he opened the book and he handed it to the seventh angel messenger. And that seventh angel messenger handed it to us. Making us the final voice of the final age. That you and I have come to a birth, but we've also come to anointing. The anointing that we have in the end time is to come to the Son of Man ministry. The open book. The Son of Man was sitting there in the temple with the book open. Everybody, all them denominations that were sitting in that temple, the Bible said they fasted their eyes on him. There was an anointing there. Brother Brown said it was the greatest anointing that was ever on a person. He opened a book, read where he was at, Brother George. He closed the book back, handed it back to the priest, and they said precious words proceeded out of his mouth. Brother Brown said, and I'll read it because I'll probably do that series maybe a little bit on anointing. But Brother Brown said, you would think that with that power or that great of an anointing that people would be shouting, speaking in tongues, running all over the building. He said, he sat down and precious words proceeded out of his mouth. You know what he said anointing was? It's supreme power and control. All right. And without these virtues, remember, he was the virtue sitting there. He was it. He was sitting there with the virtues in him. He was the headstone, had the whole cap. He was everything. He was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You and I are part of that. But he was the fullness, and he was walking God on two feet. But I remember, he had to have an anointing. Because even there in Luke, he said, He has anointed me to preach. So So on the River Jordan... When that dove came down and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. That's what he said to you at the new birth. Jesus didn't need a new birth. But he needed that anointing because for 29 and a half years, they call it the silent years. He never said a word that we needed. Except when he was 13, he kind of jumped on the scene and, and, and said something and then back off for, you know, 10 more years, 15 more years. Nothing. Why? That anointing, that time of anointing, John the Baptist had to grow up. John the Baptist had to come to fruition. John the Baptist had to come to his message, which was very short. But he had to come to that message. Because he was the one to introduce the head, which is who? Christ. All right? <clears throat> but this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Then he had an anointing on the River Jordan. That anointing was for his ministry to preach for three and a half years. And to preach the, the, the hardest three and a half years of his life, he probably wasn't uh, from 29 and a half down. He probably, you know, he, he was probably quiet, didn't have a lot of family or friends or something. But he had a bunch of brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us. <clears throat> and his daddy died, or his, his chosen daddy on earth had passed away early, Joseph. So he didn't have a real daddy. So he was just kind of, I mean, I don't think he's wandering around all over the place and doing like we did, going to shows and drinking and smoking and gambling and all that stuff. No, he didn't do that. Because he was the Holy Ghost. He didn't need the Holy Ghost. He had that already. That control was already in him. He was a proper child, as they talk about Moses. 
But at 13, he said, it must be about my father's business. He knew what his position was coming to. He just didn't know exactly what he was. But when he got on that River Jordan, and that anointing didn't just fall on him and then leave. It fell on him and went in him. You know what? We were talking about it Sunday, for those of you that weren't there. The word anointing actually means to smear. Like peanut butter on a sandwich. Or, or pour. Isn't that what happened in the Old Testament as a type? They couldn't get the oil of the Holy Ghost inside of, of, of uh, Aaron. So they poured oil over him and smeared it all over him. All the way down to the hem of his, of his garment. Right? So that's what the word anointing means. Actually, it means to smear. Smear me. <laughs> smear, smear, smear this virtue, smear knowledge, temperance, patience, just smear it all over me. So that's what anointing means. So we have the birth, and then we have the anointing. Now, we're going to talk to that, uh, that anointing is going to come to a, a, a part that we've got to come to. And Brother Brown in 1960 said, now, what is adoption? Let me get to this. I don't know whether uh, there's a lot of people in the message that just don't preach on adoption. But it's important that we come to that position. Because Brother Brown says, look, your adoption is not your birth. It's your placing. We have wandered for, I'm sorry, we have wandered for 60 years what the prophet of God said. Wandering through the wilderness, wondering what he said. Wondering why he said these things. Wondering why he said, well, you, these virtues are, are required. It's required for your adoption. It's required for your placing. And placing is where we want to be. The problem was they got misplaced in the new world or in Canaan. They got misplaced. This one married this one. This one married this one. They married the Canaanites. They married the Amorites. They mingled and mingled and mingled. Well, that's what the devil wanted to do, and that's what he's done with us. He took us. He brought the pure word of God through William, Mary, and Branham. He come to adoption. He came to hear ye him. In 1963, somewhere in there, the book opened, and he started preaching the seals. And he preached the greatest messages he'd ever preached before. The most anointed. He said, this is the most anointed I've ever been, preaching the the week of of the seals. Everybody with me? Brother George Smith was there uh, Friday, and... uh, George is George. <clears throat> but I like him. I don't mind. I like being around. If you look in those pictures that Joe's got, I'm with him 90% of the time. Because we're talking about things. But he, <clears throat> he was, uh, he's got a new seal book. And it's got a few things that's not changed. But um, Brother Brown would say four, like before. Well, they changed it to before because if you translate it, you can't translate four. F-O-R-E, not F-O-U-R. So you can't translate that. So he kind of, you know, put added or massaged it a little bit, he said. But anyway, he asked me, he said, Brother Wade, he said, what is the most important part of that seal book? What is the most important uh, either message or most important quote in that whole seal book? I said, Brother George, you wouldn't believe it. I said, the greatest quote in that whole seal book that I can identify with is on the questions and answers on the seals. When Brother Branham said, it's not for you. That's right. 
So that took you, that took that anointing. It could not fall on no one in that building. He said, it's not for you. You're not supposed to get it. So who's it for? Me. I can identify with that. I can understand the fifth seal, whether it's, uh, you know, it's the Jews under the altar crying how long. I can see the seventh seal. I can see the... The, the white horse rider and all those things. but and, and that identifies, sure, in my journey. But that was Brother Branham standing there. He was prophesying. He said, you're not supposed to get it. But right around the coming of the Lord, there'll be a group of people, in other words, paraphrasing, that's going to get it. So that's the greatest quote in the book for me. It turned that whole anointing to where there's no, there's no question to anybody sitting in that room in 1963 that said, I got it. No, you didn't. You might have got your portion because remember, Brother Brown, he kind of backed up. He said, just go on and live a good Christian, simple Christian life. Right? right? He said, don't try to twist. He said, if you get all messed up, you'll twist yourself away from it. Why? It wasn't time. The anointing was not there yet. The anointing had to be on a bride that could come to adoption they could come to a body change, and if the Son of Man ministry would take over and would preach the same three-and-a-half-year message that the Lord Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Amen. You said, there's no way you can do that. Well, watch. That's what me and Brother Andre was talking about. You just watch. People say, well, we can't get it right all the time. We ain't perfect. Jesus Christ never had a problem with his doctrine. Amen. And it was perfect. Amen. Now, he might have talked as a human. He might have said, that old fox. He might have said, let's go on vacation. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. He was a human being. But when he said, I only speak that which the Father tells me, that was God Almighty talking to us. And he can't get it wrong. Because it was the word that we depend on. We, I don't just put my dependence on salvation. I know he died for me. I put my dependence on that every word he spoke. I can receive in my heart, and if I let him out and do his work, he'll make me as perfect as he is. That's why he said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So your adoption is your placing. All right, so we want to be placed. I want to know my position. You should want to know your position. Well, I don't know. I just come to church. Well, coming to church may be a position for some of y'all. Uh, really? You know what Brother Brown said adoption was? A little washwoman going about her daily duty, but she knew her place. The man with the lunchbox. Of course, we don't carry those anymore, but used to. Thomas does. Oh, you carry a lunchbox too? Mickey Mouse? Donald Duck? Batman? Let's stand. <laughs> We're going to pray for Louise. Oh, bless y'all. Has it got thermos in it? Man, come on. But anyway, Thomas does care, but that's a lunchbox. If he's doing his job under the word of God, under the anointing of the hour that he's in, he's just as powerful. Come on, he's just as powerful as a messenger standing behind here. If he'll stay in his position. The problem is we haven't all stayed in our position. Everybody with me on that? 
When we were born again, John 1, 17, I believe when we were born of the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. Now, that was also in Romans that we receive the spirit of adoption. When you're born again, you receive the spirit of adoption, not adoption, the spirit where, in other words, you come into that open door. You come into that place where you can be adopted. Listen, you got to be in the family before you can be adopted. All right, so you got to be a son and daughter of God. Then you come to your placing. Then you listen for 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And God, somewhere along the way, something clicks and you say, that's where I'm supposed to be. But we were predestinated. Here's what I'm trying to get to you for this sons of the last day. That's us. We were predestinated unto adoption. The masterpiece, Brother Ram talks about, we know that that the marring of the masterpiece, there was a masterpiece family in the Garden of Eden. How beautiful. Until what Satan did during the rest period, during, you know, God was resting and trusting in his masterpiece. His enemy came in, found the great masterpiece, and he crawled under the garden walls and he marred this beautiful masterpiece. He marred it. But now remember, he goes on and tells us, and that's why I want to talk about anointing, you look and see that, that the marring of the of the statue made the statue the masterpiece. There could have been many, 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 many statues of Moses. But the one that Michelangelo looked at and the one he got so inspired or anointed till he hit it on the knee with his hammer and said, Speak! To me, in other words, you're so live till you're you're exactly what the image was, and we've always said that too. That's what we've been waiting on the Genesis one twenty six man. Come to that full image that God saw before the foundation of the world, brother George. And you know what he done? He smote us by putting us in human flesh. But the marring. It's what makes us a masterpiece. The marring is what made him a redeemer. The marring is what made him a healer. The marring is what made him all the other compound names of Jehovah and all the different things that you call the Prince of Peace, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. Adam, listen to me, Adam didn't know those titles. He knew him as father. He knew him as creator. But he didn't know him. Sure, later on he knew him as a Savior. But he didn't know him like me and you know him as a Savior. Everybody with me? Because what? It wasn't the time. It got marred. So he had to take that Genesis 126 man, put it back, not so much on the shelf, but put it in his bosom, put it in his breast, put it in his heart, and hold on to those names in the book. Mine, yours, Paul, Peter, James, John. Now listen, there's different sections. Moses and all those different ones, they're in that section. But they're not in that section. They're not in the Genesis 126 section. Sure, they'll be given eternal life, but you're going to see in just a minute, we already talked about it. Moses and all these different ones, they were anointed. Something would come on them so strong till they would prophesy or they would call fleas and flies and frogs. David could write all these psalms and just be so anointed to where God said, Oh, he's a man after my own heart. But then when that anointing would leave him, he'd be a murderer. Moses, murderer. 
because power without character. Look at Samson. Samson was so anointed. His anointing was to slay the Philistines. God cursed him. The Amalekites, Philistines, he cursed him, and he put Samson on the earth to take care of the Philistines. And what did he do? He fell by them. Why? Because he had an anointing that would come on him. He could lift the gates of the city up, pick this building up, and set it over two feet. And he wasn't much bigger than Jonas. But it was power without character. David, Samson, even Abraham, Jacob, Noah, Saul, Elisha, all these different ones. And we were talking this weekend about David. And the anointing on David was was to be a king. All right? Now, I think that I thought the anointing in to Revelations 5 was for me and you to be kings and priests. All right, so let's start acting like it. Let's start taking the full benefit of that. 1965, doing God a service. <clears throat> now, notice in this now, David thought he had everything in order. Now, what he's doing is now he's, he said, he's trying to do God a service without it being his will. What did David do? David was anointed in his own self. Come on. He knew the law. He knew that thing had to be carried by priests. Remember when the ark was coming back in? He put it on a cart, and it almost fell over, and a man reached and just tried, tried, to, do, tried to do right. He reached and grabbed it, but when he did, God struck him dead because he can't go against his own law. He can't go against his own word. So, But that one was on David. Now notice, David thought he had everything in order and he was inspired. See how the Holy Spirit can anoint a man? But it's got to be in the order of the anointing. Moses couldn't come with Noah's message. We can't come. Listen, Luther's message put thousands, hundreds of thousands in the bride. Methodists, John Wesley, Hundreds of thousands, millions. Dwight Moody, Brother Brown said millions, I guess he said. But they were Trinitarians. They were working under a closed book. They could only see through a glass darkly. They could only see the part that God wanted them to do. Because you can take Luther's anointing today and just be justified and die and go to hell. Right? But it's got to be in the order of the anointing. The outside spirit can be anointed, look, with the Holy Ghost. Now listen, Moses wasn't anointed by the devil to create flies, fleas, and frogs. That was God. Because God's the only creator. Satan can't create. Satan can imitate and impersonate, but he can't create. All right? The outside spirit can be anointed with the Holy Ghost and the soul as dark as pitch. That's where you get the quote and where Brother Brown says in another place that you can have the baptism of the Holy Ghost on your spirit every day of your life and die and go to hell. That's the same thing this is saying right here. All right. The cuckabur grows on the same water, puts life into the wheat, puts life into the cuckabur. But at the bottom of the cuckabur, it's got cuckabur life. It's rejoicing, blooming, got life and doing everything that the wheat does. But the soul of it is the cuckabur. See, false teachers can rise teaching all kind of Trinitarianism and everything else and be anointed with the Holy Ghost. That's right. Anointed ones at the end time. And perform just as many miracles Amen. as the true gospel can. But by the word here, that's what does it. 
In other words, they can't put the word together and make it stick. They can't put the word together and make it right. 1959, let us see God. Brother Brown said, for in the Bible it said there was set. Uh, this is, Brother Dale said this many, many times. And and um, me and Brother Richard Wilson was talking about this. And, you know, everybody's trying to do away with the fivefold ministry, right? Uh, not everybody, but you know you know who and you know where. All right, everybody with me? Amen. Press play, that's the way, you know. Yeah, it might be the way, but it may not be the way you want to go. For in the Bible it said there were set apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, all these for the perfecting of the church. All right? Are we, are we good right here? God set them in the church. Brother Brown didn't put them in the church. Brother Brown can't take them out. Joseph Brown can't put them in. He can't take them out. God set them in the church. But look, now watch. Watch how Brother Brown separates this, though. Totally clears everything up for me. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't unclear, but if somebody ever says anything about it, just read them this quote. They like to put on tapes, press play with that one on it. They kind of skip over that one. God set them in the church. Now, there's nine spiritual gifts. Look, we can lay on hands and so forth and pray earnestly for the best gift and so forth. In other words, anointings. A.A. Allen was anointed... When he was praying for the sick and people got healed, A.A. Allen didn't heal them. God healed them. But he was anointed. But he was an alcoholic. Okay? But those others are predestinated gifts of God. What those other? Apostles, prophets, pastors. So listen, if they're predestinated by God, there's not a man on this earth can take that out. I don't care what you say. You made Brother Brown the fivefold ministry. Amen. Back in 1960, maybe to 65, I'll agree with you. He fulfilled them all. But he's gone. And those predestinated gifts did not leave with him. God, this is the second time Brother Brown said that, God sets them in the church. They are predestinated. In other words, they're predetermined. They are predestinated. Eternally from God. If you're a preacher here, you're going to be a preacher there. Amen. If you're a prophet here, you're going to be a prophet there. Amen? Right. Now watch. Through the ages it's coming. Now watch what he, do, what he says here. John the Baptist was a special runner for that age. What? The age of the neck. The age of the introducing of the head. From the Old Testament, he stood in the middle to introduce the head or the New Testament. All right? <clears throat> Nobody else could take his place. He was the third coming of Elijah, and nobody else is that. Just as Brother Brown's the fourth coming of Elijah, nobody can take his place. All right? God just foreordained him to do that work. Remember, there was no miracles done. He just stood in the water. And said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was his message. Amen. Do you believe that? Sure he did. Jesus said, Did you go see a prophet? More than a prophet. See, John didn't know that, but Jesus knew it. Hear ye him, 1958. Brother Ram says, Speak the word, Lord. He's praying. If that would be sufficient, but God's good. He has set in the church gifts. First, apostles or missionaries, both the same. Apostle means one cent. Missionary means one cent. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. They're all 
predestinated. This is the second quote. They are all predestinated gifts of God. Gifts and callings are without repentance. They're placed in the church. All right, who's going to take them out? Who's going to take them out? You better not take them out. You've added to or you've took away, and I know what that happens in the book of Revelations. They're placed in the church to bring the church together. Hold it together for the glory of God. Hold it together. Corinthians says, now all these things happen for examples. And they are written for our admonition. In other words, the Old Testament on whom the ends of the world are come. That word example means a figure formed or blown or an impression, a mark of a stroke. That's what we were talking about, the marring. A pattern of warning. Everything in the Old Testament was a pattern of warning to us. Because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. Right? In their soul. They had an anointing. And they had a position. Moses had a position. Noah had a position. Each one had a message. All right? But they were not born again sons and daughters of God. Only you and I. Because it took Jesus Christ to come here with this book that was supposed to come out in the Old Testament, which it wasn't Old Testament then, back in the beginning of time. He had this book with him, and it was closed, and he took it with him. Where? To Calvary, Brother Brown said. And then he was what? He was open. His side was open, and the bride came out. Genesis 126 came out of that man. Eternal life came out so that you and I could be born again. When Jesus said you must be born again, there was not one person during his lifetime ever fulfilled that. He said, oh, no, John the Baptist, he got the Holy Ghost in, in the Muslim. Holy Ghost. It didn't say new birth. Right, right. Remember? They're different. That's right. Right. Y'all know that. I don't have to tell you. So let's go to Brother Lekinus real quick. <clears throat> and besides just giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and the virtue of knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and the godliness, brotherly kindness. So now that's the anointing we're talking about. So let's let's make it an anointing. Let's make it to where it's going to have to be something that's going to fall on us and smear us. Like peanut butter. Or honey. Because Brother Brown's going to talk about honey being brotherly kindness here in just a few minutes with that dream of Sister Shepherd. Is everybody with me? Wake up. All right. You can go to sleep tomorrow. Wake up today. <clears throat> Don't go to sleep going home. I bet you won't. Well, act like you're driving. I've always wanted to do that. Somebody would be asleep and you can get over and get real close to the face. I'm afraid I'll get hit. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, when you, call, when you look at brotherly kindness and sisterly kindness, it denotes that you're from the same family. When, we, when Brother Andre head, he's my brother. He's in the same family. All right? Sister of Joyce, same family. All right? We, it denotes the same family. And that's what we got to look at when we call somebody brother. That means that you have a kindred, you are in the same family by the new birth. All right? <clears throat> now, if they don't have it, that's their business. But if they're your brother and they're sitting here long enough, they're going to be, they're going to get born again. You just, you just have to, I want everybody to be born again. Amen? Amen. I want every, and I want to thank everybody born again. Amen. But your fruit tree will bear whether you are or not. Amen. So now, sixthly, add brotherly kindness. Put yourself in his place. On the matter, I'm going to read something to you in just a few minutes. 
John 13, verse 34, said, A new commandment I give unto you. Now, remember, he's come around, had all the old commandments. He knew the law. He knew exactly where to find himself when he sat down in Luke and pulled a scroll. Now, remember, it wasn't a book. It was a scroll, so he had to unfold scroll after scroll to find Isaiah. But when he did, boom, he found it, and to me, it just illuminated because he saw that was him. How many times have you been reading the Bible? Genesis one twenty six. Me. That just that just resonates. That's me. That just proves where I came from and proves what I got and what family I'm in now. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. Because remember the Old Testament was, you shoot me, I shoot you. You kill my brother, I kill you. You commit adultery, a lot of people die. If it was in the new commandment. Praise God for grace. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love if you have love one to another or an outward display of affection under what we know as the New Testament. Everybody with me on that? Because remember, in the Old Testament, you could look on a woman and lust after her, and as long as you didn't touch her, you were fine. That's what the Bible says. But now Jesus said, now I'm going to bring you into a new commandment here. Uh, the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. Right. I'm going to read you where Brother Brown says, if you kill somebody's influence, you've killed the brother. Right. All right? right. <clears throat> but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than this cometh of evil. You have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Now, that's in the Old Testament. Right. Right. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, how many of us have done that? Okay. Do good to them that hate you. Like Bob last Wednesday night. There's a holy hush going on here. Amen. Start talking about pride. and Start talking about selfishness. and Start talking about me and you and, and our little... Anyway. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That don't mean one time. I'm talking about persecute you. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in that love, in other words. Continue ye in my agape, not my filio. If you keep my my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What is the love of God? It's the truth. It's not a sloppy affection where you got to go hug everybody and say, I love you. No. you got to love the truth. If you love the truth, that will set you free. And if you love the truth, you'll love your brother. Look, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You won't be wowsy, wowsy, woo if you love everybody and really mean it. Well, they got to love me. They look. They got my. Agape love is unconditional. You've got to remember that. Filial love is conditional. Agape love cannot be conditional. 
God loved us. And remember, God loved us when we were what? Unlovable. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Divine love and sovereign grace, 1956. We're facing a day that prophesied. This is 1956. Um, Coming up on 70 years in 2026. Now, we are facing a day that's prophesied to us that brotherly love would become a strange thing among people. And it's to my humble belief that that is the greatest of all the gifts that there is in God's Bible. Remember, he goes through and he tells you, he said, God, God's going to come to you and say, hey, what gift do you want? You want the gift of preaching? You want the gift of healing? You want the gift of this? He said, take all of them, but give me love. Amen. Yes. Right. Wow. Amen. Take all of them, but give me that agape love. I was reminded this weekend before Brother Woodby passed away. I know some of you don't know him, some of you do. <clears throat> he did mine in June's wedding, and he was a minister in the church we were at <clears throat> for a long time. But he come, he went to a, we had a fellowship breakfast up the, at Ruth, and Brother Richard and Brother Woodby were sitting together, and then I came in, and, and they were chuckling, and uh, and I didn't ask. I just walked up, you know, and. Brother Richard said, yeah, Brother Woodby, you're right. Well, well, he didn't tell. They just went on and didn't say anything after that. But Brother Richard came to me a little bit later, and he said, you know why we were laughing? I said, no. He said, Brother Woodby leaned. And, I mean, there was probably 100 ministers because it's minister's breakfast. Only ministers could come. So it's probably 100 ministers in that room. He said, Brother Woodby kind of looked around, you know, and leaned over, and he said, reckon how many doctrines is in this room? I would have said 100. Different. Sad, but true. And a lot of it is pride and selfishness. Listen, when you stand for the truth, you're going to be hated. Literally hated. You're going to be ostracized. You're going to be not allowed in a pulpit. I told you that time before. Some of you don't know it. We went to Ruth meeting one time, and there was about 600 of us under that brush arbor, and, and they were just shouting, and the preacher was preaching, and he he preached this, you know, five-minute sermon that was totally not true. Right, Jim? We were all there. We were all sent. Brother Richard, we were talking about it last weekend. Brother Richard Wilson and his, some of his people were here, and Dad, Mom, me, June. I don't know who else was over here, but they were all, you know, 500 and probably 80 of them were just throwing sawdust they were sawdust on the floor they were just having a, 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 a shouting I mean shouting over that false doctrine right. 570 or 80 of them we sat there like bumps on a pickle I'm sure we were talked about afterwards because whoever this brother was preaching he was supposed to be you know he was like the higher echelon of ministers, which he is a good brother, and he does say some good things, but that one thing was totally false. And we knew that because we'd been taught well. But we sat there. I'm not going to shout about uh, uh, something that's not true. But, buddy, they all would, I mean, when they got finished, they just kind of looked down that row, and we were just sitting there. God. But that's what standing for the truth is. That's what knowing the difference in the truth and error.
And thank God we had a good teacher that gave us a good foundation. We didn't have to learn it when we got there. We walked in, and when that thing went off, we went like, ding. That's not true. That's not right. Can't be right. All right. So you can say whatever you want to, but I sure appreciate good teaching. Amen. So let's talk about selfish just for a minute. To be selfish is to be concerned excessively, excessively with oneself. Selfies and I and me and oh, woe is me. And and selfishness is one of the biggest obstacles to having the kind of close relationship with God and each other. I want to put that in there. And inspiring relationships with other people that many of us desire. That's well true. Second Timothy 3, 2 says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, they already prophesied and told them that's exactly what's going to happen. Covetous, boasters, proud, pride, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. We get up there to that meeting Saturday, and what did Joel Brown say? Or Andre? Who, which one was it? Andre or brother? He said... Parents, I mean kids, pray for your parents. It was Joel, brother Joel Brown. And I knew he didn't. I knew he didn't listen to me. So uh, I, that must have come from God. That must be God wanting us to know something. Because he said, he said, kids, pray for your parents. <clears throat> so that was good. So maybe there's something to that, kids. Pray for your parents. I tell you, that's what's a whole lot of the matter with people today. They're not friendly like they used to be. The people has got too selfish, got to a place where they think they live in a little world by themselves. You know that's the truth. I despise. Oh, Brother Branham. He despises. God hates. Don't get quiet on me. God hates. There are several things he hates. I despise that old somebody feel they're bigger than somebody else. After all, you're six foot of earth. That's all you are. That's right. Everybody. The word became flesh and ended trip. I recognized the other day a selfish spirit coming on me. So in other words, he wasn't exempt from a selfish spirit coming on him. All right? Saying this man's wrong, I ought to tell him about it. That's wrong, he said. God's the one to tell him about it. All right? Let's go to the next one. Same message. He comes to another quote, another part of the sermon. He said, I want to ask the church one more thing before we get some place to study in the scriptures. That is, that you'll pray for me. I've developed a critical spirit. And it haunts at me. I told my wife yesterday, the first time something happened now that I was sitting in the yard and I told her, she had reminded me, I told her about it. I said, honey, I've got to a place where I've become critical of people. I don't want to be. Whose job is it? It's not mine. God's the one to criticize, not me. Jubilee year, 1954. Brother Brown said, I'm not going to ask you how many made the consecration, but I believe many of you did. And myself, I did in my heart. Lord, take that critical spirit from me. And you know what? That's what I despise. I despise somebody that can't do nothing but criticize. I just can't be around them, don't want to be around them, don't even want to listen to them. Constantly. Can't find one good thing. I told somebody the other day, I said that, we were talking about somebody at work. We were talking about somebody, and uh, we were talking about them being critical. And I said, well, if they won a $1 billion billion lottery, they'll complain because they didn't win two. There are some people in this world that if you totally healed them and gave them $10 billion, they'd still find something to complain about. Y'all know I'm right. You know those people. 
I hope they're not here. Now, I don't criticize people to their face. Now, watch. Brother Brown doesn't criticize them. So he wasn't going to say, well, you know, Brother Bob, he, it's a little bit, he's weird. <clears throat> but in my heart, I'm going to say the same thing. Bob's weird. <clears throat> but in my heart, I do. I see a lady walking down the street, especially, see she's not dressed proper. I say, isn't that awful? In my heart, I don't say it to nobody else. After all, that's her business. She's a free moral agent. That's why we get our problem is we get into other people's business. Well, I'm going to preach anyway, and y'all can just be quiet like pride. I'm going to get in pride here in just a minute. Bob didn't cover it enough. I'm going to smear it. She's a free moral agent. She ain't got no right to do it. Christ bought her life, but maybe she doesn't understand. So it's not for me to criticize. Let God do it. When I'm in the pulpit, now watch, he, he backs up. He says, when I'm in the pulpit, I preach the gospel the best way I know how, and the rest of it, I commit to God. He didn't save nobody. He didn't change nobody's mind. He didn't make no woman quit cutting her hair because he obviously, he kept saying, I get come back year and year and year, and you cut more, you cut more. It probably got to him. That's why he became critical. Lord, I, I preach these Pentecostal women, and instead of their hair getting longer, they get shorter. Every year, he said, I come back. Same way with some around here. You know, you tell them they need to be in church and two sniffles and a cat with diarrhea, and they'll be gone for two weeks. Christians come to church. That's all I got to say. Always. Christians always come to church. All right? Make believers come every once in a while unbelievers come on Christmas and Easter like I did. That's what's the matter with people today. Now, Brother Brown, that's what's the matter with people today. They're trying to pack up to be a Christian. If there's anything you need is unpacking to be a Christian. Get too many, got too many things hanging on now. One of them said, now, Mother, you know, couldn't go unless I took my card table with me or my iPad or my <clears throat> cell and... Uh, Y'all ever find that app I was talking about? That app that's on all your phones. It's not new. It's been there forever. Look on the side. It says OFF. Some of you don't do it because the bells start going off every once in a while. People, You know who it is because they don't sit there and reach like this. They go, they dive in their pocketbook. So it's women. Anyway, um, because, you know, the other boys wouldn't appreciate me going along. If I didn't have my card table <clears throat> and all these other little things, and you have a little box of selfishness, you have to hang on to that. You have to hang on to tattling, backbiting, little of this. Hang on, hang it on your camel. Well, you hang it on enough, he's going to get bow-legged. What's the old saying? It's the straw that what? Broke the camel's back. Straw. <clears throat> it's the little things. The old camel can't, <laughs> can't hardly move. He's mashed down so hard till he's bow-legged almost. That's what our problem is with a bunch of bow-legged Christians. We got so much hanging on to us. Let it out. Let it go. Oh, you see, it's coming up, Bob. Look at the bottom down there. Uh-oh. You started it. You need to unload, wash up, clean up, get right. Pride is a noun. Bob didn't bring that out, but I'm going to. A feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from your own personal achievements. 
I prayed for this one. I did this. I did that. It was my. I didn't bring it, but I was going to. Uh, and Bob may have read it. I can't remember. But the Bible says pride comes before a fall. Pride comes before a fall. God is not going to. If you're a Christian, God's not going to let you stay pridish. You will fall. And you will get a whipping like you never got before. Because remember, pride is not just for sinners. It's for us too. Because why would brotherly kindness be up there and it tell us not to have pride? Not to have selfishness. Not to be selfish. The achievements of those with whom one is closely associated are from qualities, possessions that are widely admired. Bible says proud boasters. I'm proud to be a Christian. And I'm proud of Jesus Christ doing what he did. But that's not being proudish. That's being proud that you got a perfect heavenly father. <clears throat> Blasphemous names, real quick. Brother Brown said, look. Now, but in this church age, the message is being poured into the church. Now, this is the the dream of Sister Shepherd, which goes along with the stature of a perfect man. He was telling us this. Now, Blasphemous Names, I think, was the next Sunday. That's why in Blasphemous Names, the first hour and a half he preached Blasphemous Names, he preaches, he re-preaches the statue of a perfect man again and brings a few more details that he didn't in the other sermon. All right? <clears throat> now, but in this church age, the message is being poured into the church. <clears throat> what happened was, remember... Sister Shepherd saw this man up on top of this mountain pouring pure water into a box. Well, the box wouldn't hold it. The box was leaking and running out all over the place, all right? <clears throat> now, but in this church age, the message is being poured into the church, but the church body is altogether like the, this tabernacle, we'll say. That's where she comes to church, talking about Sister Shepherd. This tabernacle is not a Holy Ghost tabernacle. There's no such a thing. Individuals that come into this church is Holy Ghost tabernacles. They are tabernacles that contain the Holy Ghost, but not the church in the body, a group. Therefore, it runs out. But what this man who was pouring the water, the messenger to the church, it was him. Right? He just didn't say it was. He knew it was because he saw the vision. Pouring the message into the church, our bride. But what was the water doing? It was boiling out all the trash that was in it. Pride, selfishness, boastful. That's what the Holy Spirit does, boils it up now. Now, the honey represented brotherly love, brotherly kindness, which is this age. I got just through telling, see of brotherly kindness, the age that we live in. That was back the week before. Now, you might say, look, I sure don't like Brother Neville, or I sure don't like Brother Jones. I don't like Brother so-and-so and something like that. But just like something happened to him. Brother, your heart's broke. It just nearly killed you. Now, here's where he, he, he stops. He says, see? Now, watch. We can obtain brotherly kindness and feeling for one another individually. But to maintain in a group of people where everybody loves everybody with brotherly kindness, 
Hard to do. Uh, that's just what Brother Brown said right here. All right. Why do you care for that brother? Because you broke bread with him here at the altar, or you will tonight, taking communion. You fellowship with him. You shook his hand. You worship with him. He's your brother. <clears throat> oh, by the way, time out. Do y'all want to take? If y'all want to take communion this next weekend, you can, or you can wait. You you decide. Who wants to have communion Sunday? Who wants to wait? Boy, you're the only one. So we're waiting. Oh, a couple. We're waiting. I don't mind if y'all take communion if I'm not here. Brother Bob can do it. Well, nobody voted to. You didn't even vote. You're supposed to write, this is yes. No, well, you don't. It's over with now. The art door shut. <clears throat> we'll do it the next weekend. Blame it on you. you. You fellowship with him. You shook his hand. You worship with him. He's your brother. And you might do something in the flesh. He might do something that you would disagree with because you just kind of stay, look, which you oughtn't to do, but shun him a little. I'm going to let that sink in. But in the bottom of your heart, if something happened to that brother, it'd kill you or that sister. I'm an old man. I was once young. Now I'm old. I've seen it down through the age. Do what? Hear people say, I just won't have no more to do with him. See, we've got to break down those walls of petition. Just as we were talking about this weekend. There are walls. They need to be broke down. All right? We need to have brotherly kindness. Well, they don't have... That's condition. I love you if you love me. That's not what the Bible says. That is not... The Bible never said that. The Bible says you love them whether they love you or not. That's why it's hard to do. Oh, God, I let my precious brother go without making friends with him. You see, 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 it's brotherly love. How many times, don't raise your hand, but how many times have you had something against somebody and they pass away and you never were able to tell them? That's what that's talking about. Oh, God, I let my precious brother go without making friends with him. Because why? Because of pride. A little bit of I, I, me, me. I'm right, you're wrong. Well, in that case, you're wrong. Hello. This is a prophet telling us how to have brotherly kindness, and you look at me cross-eyed. Like it's something, like it's something strange. This message was preached 50, 60 years ago. We should be able to, we should have already read this message a hundred times. I like blasphemous names. It's a good message. And right there's where it is. Oh God, I let my precious brother go without making friends with him. You see, 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 it's brotherly love. It looks like it won't stick, but it does stick to honey, which is what? Brotherly love will always stick. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Remember, Brother Brown, in a word to a church, to the church, it's right in there on the wall. Oh, I know it's downstairs. Brother Brown said, don't let that come in. Brown Tabernacle, don't let that root of bitterness come in. He said, if something comes in, what do he say do? Stick tighter together. 
What? That's the honey, the brotherly kindness, the brotherly love. Anything we're going through, we should stick together instead of pulling apart. <clears throat> Brother Brown said the only thing that matters is get all these little differences away from you, little isms, little funny feelings around you for brethren and things like that. Shake it away. Amen. Don't let no root of bitterness ever get into your soul. Amen. Wow. If you do, it'll canker you. Now, those of you that are not Southerners, that means ruin or you stank. Canker means to spoil. Right? Keep love. I don't care how much people hate you, you love them anyhow. If you can't do that, you need, you ain't, you ain't sealed. You got a loose place yet. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit right up there is supposed to do? Supposed to seal in the cracks. Seal in the cracks that we've had forever. I'm sorry. Against other people. So come on, on back, get that sealed up right good with the blood of Christ. It'll cleanse you from all roots of bitterness. Yes. Amen. You know the story I told you. I, could, I, would, I would have been a stale Christian if I hadn't have done what I did when I spoke against that brother. You're not going anywhere until you get those things right. You never will. I don't care how much you try. You'll beat your head in a wall till your nose is flat. You will not move because that's going to stay right there. Jehovah Jireh, 1957. <clears throat> Brother Brown said, but Abraham, the man of God, gave Lot his choice. Took what's left. Oh, I just love that. A real believer will give you your choice. He's willing to take what's left. There's no selfishness in a real believer. Not at all. Amen. That's why I like what Dave Ramsey always says. I He says, if you, if you, if you gifts, if you you know let your kids borrow money, that's a mistake. Right. If they need money, give it to them and don't expect anything in return. Right. But we got so many people that are. I'll give you this if you'll. That's wrong. That's right. I like what Dave Ramsey said. He said, he said, if you owe your daddy or mama something, he said, turkey dinner at Thanksgiving don't taste very good. When you have to sit there and look at them and know that you owe them money. But look, but when dad says, hey, son, here, that money I owe, that you owe me is yours. It's a gift. It's a gift. Luke 6, verse 26 is woe unto you when all men, well, they get quiet again, Bob. We, quiet bunch, I like it. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Woe unto you. When all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say unto you which here love your enemies. Do good to them that which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you or falsely accuse. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the what? Unthankful and evil. First John four nineteen says, We love him because he first loved us. If a man say I love God and hates brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. First John three thirteen. Marvel not, musicians come on. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. 
Praise God. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. That's his Bible. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, I said by stand, <clears throat> let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Wow. <clears throat> Brother Brown in the Hebrew series, you people with these saw blade tempers, <gasps> <clears throat> it's always spouting off at the mouth that somebody can't put up and things like that. Be careful. You're guilty if you speak a word against your brother that's not right, not just. Go around and tear down it, tear it, tear down it. You don't have to stick a knife in a man's back to kill him. You can break his character and kill him, kill his influence. Speak against your pastor here. Say something bad about him. You just might as well shot him. Told something that wasn't right about him. Well, it'll kill his influence with the people and things like that. And you're guilty of it. That's what Jesus said. First Peter 3 verse 8 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind. Have compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil. I'll get back at him. Or railing for railing, but contrarywise. What does that word mean? Opposite or vice versa. Right. But contrarywise, give them blessings, knowing that you are there to call that you should inherit a blessing. Amen. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Jesus told us right here, we'll stop. Right here. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. That is divine forgiveness. That means that he forgets, forgives and forgets. We can't do that because we're not divine in that sense. But he can forgive and never remember it again. Because remember, if he if he remembers it, he didn't forgive it. What sins are you talking about? He's putting a C somewhere. Read this right here and then we'll stop. But because of the selfishness got among it, the objective was wrong. Signing up a bunch of stuff, it would be this way. When they promised they would do it for the kingdom of God. I want you to listen to this real quick. Because this happened in a situation that I was involved in. And Brother Dale, maybe even Richard. <clears throat> Signing up a bunch of stuff, it would be this way. When they promised they would do it for the kingdom of God, but look like it's for themselves. Now, here's an example that happened in our life. We were hunting in Kentucky. And this brother, he had his issues. Not then, but he come into a lot of money. So he buys this piece of property. 
and he builds these deer stands, and he spends thousands of dollars. And he stands out in his little place, and he and he's got a little, it's got a camp there. And he said, he said, brothers, he said, I'm not a minister, because he'd been married before, and his wife was still living. He said, I know I'm not qualified to preach. He said, but God's given me this money to be able to buy this property. It was like 400 acres, and it was good property. He said, God's given me this and this little house here so that y'all can just come anytime you want to. Hunt anywhere you want to. You just call me and tell me. There's, and it is. We went up there several times. Richard's been up there. Several times we went. Many times I went. But everything was free. I mean, the food stock stacked up, you know, this high in the corner and the refrigerator and everywhere else. And most of you know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to call his name. But at that time, he was just, I mean, he did it. He said, it's my ministry to you. All right. Two years later. Now, this is right here. I'm doing it for the kingdom of God. All right. Two years later, he had killed a real nice buck with a bow on that property, and there were others that were bigger than the one he killed. <clears throat> and he was getting ready to go somewhere else. I was sitting in the living room. I don't think Richard was there, but Daddy was there. And and he walks outside, and he turns around, he comes back in, he says, Brother Wade, he said, you tell me, he said, you're in charge. You tell me, though, if so-and-so, if anybody goes to this so-and-so place, I said, really? To myself. I said, really? Two years ago, you told us we were free to hunt anywhere we wanted to, anytime we wanted to, because that was your ministry. So he goes on and he says, I don't want nobody hunting there. If anybody hunts there, they can't hunt here no more. Well, he had found this big deer on the camera, and he didn't want nobody to hunt it but him. Now, two years ago, It would be this way. When they promised, they would do it for the kingdom of God. But it looked like they did it for the self. So he got selfish. He didn't want nobody to go over there, Brother John. He said, if anybody goes over there, I can't hear it here no more. Less than one year. Less than one year. I think y'all went last. Less than one year from that day when he said that to me, he lost everything he had. Everything. Almost lost his marriage, but he lost everything. I saw a check one time, a commission check. was $300,000. Commission check that he made at one time. Now, it wasn't one year. That was one time that he had that much money, and he was doing so well. And, and then after that, guess what? His life fell apart. He went out in the world. He, he just almost went crazy. He owed a lot of people money. But he didn't do it for the glory of God like he said he was going to do it. He promised. He promised all us ministers. He promised all of us people. Here's you a sanctuary, a place you can come and you can hunt. You can just sit back and relax and enjoy yourself and I'll take care of everything. Then two years later, he says, no, nope, you can't hunt over there. Because he, he was in some kind of big deer contest and he knew that deer was over there and he didn't want anybody to kill it but himself. 
Brother Brown said it won't work. No selfish thing will work. Your motives and objectives has to be exactly, perfectly right. Then you have faith to ask. Because if you don't, you'll lose everything you got. So let's be careful, but let's learn from that. Because it was something that, he, that, that just, I mean, it almost destroyed him. He almost committed suicide. And lost everything he had, like I said before. Now he's back in church. Now he's doing better. But he lost like 10 years of his life because of one thing he did. He became selfish. Of something that he said that God told him to do and gave him the money to do. See what I mean? Watch your motive and objective. We had a, a brother not several years ago that... He come up with this great idea that God told him that to work on Sunday because you get paid like triple time if you work on Sunday. So he worked on Sunday so he could send money to the missionary field and quit going to church. God didn't tell him that. So who did? It was either himself or the devil. Because guess what? His life fell apart. He quit going to church. Listen, you can't outgive God. But you can't outsmart him either. Amen. You can't outsmart God. He knows already what you're going to do. And he knows what he's going to do. But he's going to let you go like he did those brothers. He's going to let you go because free moral agent. Hey, you said it. So let's be careful of the promises that we make. Let's sing a song real quick. One song. But that's life lesson. If you promise something to God, you better do it. Transition. If you have a need, real quick. Singing hope to God's unchanging hand. Oh, to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things You might be doing something right. Still, Still more closely to him cling. Oh, hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Don't build your hope down here. 
dismissed. God bless you. Remember Brother Louise Sunday. Remember me, I'll be gone. And remember Brother Aaron for Sunday afternoon. Oh, hold to God. You're dismissed. Changing hands.